What's going on, everybody out there? Welcome to the IGN All-Star Community Podcast. This is episode 22 of season two of the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, the epic Jake James Lugo. With me, I have my compatriot, Mr. Peter Lopez. Pete, my man, game of the year time. Hey, hey, what's going on? Game of the year time and Star Wars time. The hype is real. The hype has awakened. The hype is at an all-time high of over 9,000. So I'm still in the high because I saw the movie last night. So mm. I'm, I'm pumped. To be clear, we're not going to spoil anything. For no spoilers. To right. No yeah. spoilers here, ladies and gentlemen. There will not be spoilers here. We will force ch- choke the hell out of someone dropping spoilers. There are people being real mean about spoilers lately, though. Mm. I would say. Like, they're mean. But yeah. you're not going to get none of that here. So... On top of that, we got Mr. David Quigley. David, my man, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm counting down the days myself. About one day until I go see it. This man is ready. Make sure you get a really large popcorn when you go. You're going to need it. That's all I'll say. You want a spoiler? There you go. You need a large popcorn to watch this movie. <laughs> so, gentlemen, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. First, we got, we got a little bit of like you know some quick news that we just want to glance over before we get into the meat of our Game of the Year stuff because we got a lot of stuff to talk about that. You know, we're coming up at the end of the year. It's almost 2016. So far, great, fantastic year for games, I will say. Are mm-hmm. we in agreement with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so, in recent memory for me. Yeah. So, real quickly, okay, there, there was some news that dropped out this week. You know, this has been a fantastic week because not only we got Star Wars, we had some new stuff for, like, Smash Brothers. We got some new stuff for Kingdom Hearts dropping, uh, was it today, actually, when we're recording this podcast. But we also had some news about Kojima. Okay, mm-hmm. so, basically... Hideo Kojima, finally, his contract was finished up with Konami. You know, he, he's pretty much no longer an employee of them anymore, thank God, for a lot of people. And he's opening up a brand new independent studio, and he's partnering up with PlayStation to drop his studio's first game ex- console exclusively on PlayStation platforms, which I would assume is PlayStation 4. But let me get your guys' thoughts on this. Um, what, I re- what I really find fascinating is, like, what led to his departure from Konami, right? Like we were talking about it before we started recording and Konami was acting pretty shady. It may seem like it was pretty uh, ruthless and and whatnot, maybe extreme, but, um, you know, David even mentioned before the podcast uh, began to record, you know, to an extent it may have been necessary, right? Because when you think about it, so Konami, according to an article that you guys can find um, on Polygon, um, <clears throat> basically talks about how, you know, people who were working with Kojima, I believe, were placed in separate areas and they had computers that weren't connected to the internet. And that may sound extreme, uh, you know, they weren't allowed to communicate with each other, but that also prevents, like, leaks from happening, right? So um, what do you guys think about that? Like, I mean, obviously, Konami is, like, super shady and Jeff Keighley called him out during the uh, the video game awards. Um, so, I mean, what do you guys think about the way Konami is acting right now? And well, I mean, do you think they're going to push for another Metal Gear video oh, yeah. game? Yeah, I well, just, they're already doing it. Yeah, I saw an article. Yeah, hiring. They're hiring for new Metal Gear. Um, you know, <laughs> it'll be a different series for sure. But I don't know if I would call what they're doing shady, but it's certainly uh, kind of sketchy. cold, cold and heartless. So I wouldn't even say sketchy. I think that, you know that implies some sort of morality thing that I don't think they're like in the wrong for doing this. But I certainly wouldn't blame anybody for not wanting to work there either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, you know if you want to record your employees that's in your rights if you want to demote them for like harshly demote them to like janitorial work from development or something which i think has been reported on you know i guess that's in your right too if people are willing to stay on for that it's just like 
they're not making a good name for themselves. I don't know why anybody would want to go work there in the future. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, here's the crazy thing, because this has been like a roller coaster of a saga over the last, I want to say, half of this year, if not more. You know, because between at the very beginning when we first heard about Kojima's name getting scrubbed from the box and stuff, we were all pretty pissed off about that. But then now at this point, I feel like no matter what, you know, especially right after the Game Awards, there's no way looking at this whole situation, coming in with no mindset or like no background info about what has gone down, that you could look at Konami really in a positive light. And what really confirmed it for me, because I've talked about this on various different podcasts with different people, you know, trying to get a perspective of everybody around me to see how they're feeling about it. And one of the people that I actually talked to was someone that actually has done stuff with Konami before. And one of the things that he assured me is, is that it, it, it's gotten so bad and it, it, it's like such a terrible, dour feeling for a lot of the employees over there. It's like he, he best described it, and I think a couple people have explained it the same way, is like if two people are going through a divorce and the kids are just kind of there and there's nothing you can do about it, you know, like they don't want them, any of them to fight or whatnot, but it, this is like really happening and such. But what really kind of did it for me and, and, and really kind of, you know, just, just really kind of confirms where I feel like Konami was really in the wrong here. Whatever went down, again, we don't know. And I have a strong feeling come next year we're going to find out, but it won't be from Kojima or Konami themselves. It'll be from like a third party. Was that something personal happened, like really personal. And I have a strong feeling that Kojima might have been one of those people that probably stood up and actually said something about a lot of the treatment that Konami was giving its employees or whatever steps that Konami's executives or whatever the commanding force at Konami was, whatever direction they were steering the company, Kojima might have actually spoken out and might have actually kind of said like, you know, well, what the hell are you doing? Or like, why are you guys doing this? Or something along those lines. And because of that, either to make an example out of him or to really kind of like exercise their authority over the company and like who really controls the company here, that all of this happened. But again, this is all unconfirmed. This is all stuff that we don't know. And I, again, I really think we're going to find out as we go into 2016, if not longer, because pretty sure even though Kojima's talking right now, there's got to be like super ironclad NDAs and like, you know, gag orders and all these different types of stuff. Probably one of the reasons why they didn't let him go to the Game Awards, because like some other people have put out there, they were probably fearful of him opening up his big mouth, which I'm pretty sure he was going to blast them like Jeff Keighley did at the mm-hmm. Game Awards at some point. But that, that's just where I stand with it. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to what he has um, what he has coming, you know, in the future. I know there's talk about how he may not just focus on video games. Like, he may extend that to, uh, like, movies and, 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 uh, and other things. Uh, like, if you guys head over to Polygon again, uh, Mike McWhorter war, uh, wrote uh, an article that covers things about, uh, you know, animation and movies and stuff. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, have you guys checked out his new image? That I checked out his new Productions? website. His new website is is awesome, mm-hmm. and and not only does it have the new logo, which kind of funny, he kept the Kojima Productions name. I think that's got to do some legalese in there has to deal with that because I was expecting him fully to start a brand new company, not under the Kojima Productions name. I thought that was done and that was dead, but apparently not. So, but if you go to his Japanese website, I know he's linked it here and there on his Twitter and such. Not only does it have the new logo and like you know the new company announcing it and stuff and the partnership from Sony and the video, but it also has this kind of 
interesting like mission statement which i feel has a very strong direct subtext kind of like in the same vein when reggie fils went up during the game awards and gave that speech about iwata there's a very direct subtext about something there that we don't really understand at the moment i found that in the mission statement of the new kojima productions where he was talking about homo ludren which is basically those who dream and it's about like not having restrictions it's about doing stuff that's like for the greater good and other stuff like that again i really encourage you guys that are listening right now to to read it like just type in kojima productions and it'll take you to the new japanese website because the new studio is based in japan okay which again makes sense japanese developer japanese company etc but read that text and try to see if you could really kind of like get exactly what he's trying to say because i feel like there's some nuggets of info there based off what's happened over the last couple of months or the last half year or so that we won't overtly understand right now. But as we start to hear more about what went down between Kojima and Konami as a company, maybe things will start to kind of piece themselves together. Sure. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. I'm yeah. excited. <clears throat> Big stuff. David, any other final thoughts before we move on to game of the year? No, I mean, I will... I have no excitement for this at all until there's actually concrete details, which I don't know if they even have them yet. So I think I think we're all collectively as society jumping the gun on the hype here. But uh, he's definitely earned it. But we got nothing to go on yet. Caution. That that's basically. I think that's the best way to sum up David. Stay right there. Caution, people. But but uh, the only things that we know for certain that are facts is that new studio based in Japan. Partnering up with Sony for whatever his first title is going to be is going to be a console exclusive to PlayStation platforms, but it's also going to appear on PC. So there's no kind of like details of like how long that exclusivity will last or how long afterwards the the PC version is going to come out of whatever game this is. We don't know what the game is. We don't know any other details about that. But I will say that the new logo and some of the artwork circling around and stuff has that whole skull or like skeleton inside a suit of armor, which he's also saying is like a space suit. So again, I think we could expect a sci-fi game, possibly. You know, who knows at this point. But, you know, interesting stuff nonetheless. With that being said, though, let's let's get into the meat of this episode. Let's talk about Game of the Year for 2015. So, yeah, yeah, we mentioned earlier Game of the Year. 2015 was a fantastic year for video games in a lot of retrospect. Okay, there's been some bad events, you know, here and there again since we were talking about Kojima before. But there's also been a lot of good stuff happening in the game industry. Not only with cool events that happen, you know, especially within the last few months, but also a lot of great games throughout the entirety of 2015. So let me shoot it over to David. David, what is your best year game of 2015? Rocket League. <laughs> to nobody's surprise, uh, but Rocket League is so good. Uh, I've been playing it you know at least weekly since it came out and there's no stopping it's uh they keep adding new stuff to it uh they just released the snow day mode which is hockey the field's frozen over and the ball is a puck um it totally changed the way it plays there's just so much to do it's uh, you know a game you can pick up and play for a couple minutes or you can try to anyway um or you can end up playing it's one of them you know just one more match one more match one more match and then you've sat there for four hours straight um but you know it's got you can play it casual you can play it competitive there's a ton of tournaments um it's just everything they're doing you know the except from uh, they were unprepared for how successful it would be at launch. Uh, but the first week or two, they got the servers fixed up and everything they've been doing since then, they've been knocking out of the park. Um, I, we're getting new content 
basically monthly and all those all the gameplay related stuff is free so uh, if you if you haven't played it yet you should go ahead and buy it it's definitely worth the twenty dollars if you didn't get it on PlayStation plus um, you know if you're if you're only on Xbox that's gonna be one you want to circle for 2016 uh, I'll be back next year to call it game of the year 2016 <laughs> Like, nice. I don't know how much uh, <laughs> how much you guys Probably put in. Two two time game of the year winner. <laughs> yeah. Back to back, you know. Back to back. I mean, so. like Rocket League looks like an awesome game. I I haven't played it on PlayStation Four. I know, like David just said, it's gonna hit an Xbox One. I, Very I, soon. Is it, yeah, I, I don't know if it's this year or next year, but I will say soon. Next year. It's next year. Okay. Okay, yeah. so it's coming out next year, and I'll be honest. Like, although it does look interesting and and such. I don't know if I'll buy it. I'll certainly play the video game if it's free. I don't know if it will ever be a games with gold um, title, but um, at this point, so they already earned the the hype and the popularity. I think they will try to cash in on it. Yeah, same thing with the DLC and stuff like that. And it comes with the DLC. It comes with two of the paid DLC packs included. That's Ah. another reason why I think it's going to be a purchase. Maybe it's not going to be twenty dollars when it launches, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't think it'll be a games with gold and also, also there's no uh, cross platform play on the Xbox right. One version. Yeah, I, th- I, don't, I think you could play against PC users, right? No, it's supposed to be nothing. It's supposed to be Xbox oh, okay. Only, you know? okay, Xbox Live only. Okay, which doesn't make any sense no. to me at all. Like, no. uh, and and another thing is like, do you, what the developer's name is Psionic? I think Psionic. Psionic. Yeah. Psionic. Like, I mean, okay, so. According to IGN, Rocket League has earned nearly $50 million in revenue since its release, right? And the developer only spent about $2 million, like, developing the title. Does does the developer even need a charge at this point, considering that the video game has this enormous uh, success? It's purely online, though, for the vast majority of people. So there is server upkeep. Um, I don't know how much that costs. I won't pretend to know, but... The only thing I would say is they're not in the business of giving out games for free. And while we got them for quote-unquote free, we pay, we pay for PlayStation Plus, and there was some sort of financial agreement where Psyonix was paid for putting the game on Plus. So they never really gave away the game for free. It was just included with the subscription. They could do it again. I just think that it blew up. I don't think they were at all prepared for how popular this game was at launch um you know because like myself i played a lot of the the prequel uh but that game didn't catch on and i'm i'm still not really sure what it is that made this one explode whereas the last one didn't and that was an early ps3 game but i just don't think it'll be given away on games with gold because they're bundling in paid dlc i think that's the biggest sign of all I think that's why it was so popular is because at, at, at well, its yeah. first launch, it was on PlayStation Plus. Yeah, you didn't right? have to put any extra money up front to give it a shot, which, you know, that's that's the gamble they took. They said they, they decided that they wanted to just take a chance rather than try to sell every copy. They wanted to get it in front of as many people as they could, and that has definitely paid off for them. True. Mm. Sure. But it's been on sale, Pete. You know, you can get it for at least 10 or less i've i think i've seen it so yeah you just that's that's a whole different topic for a different day is the (laughs) percepted value of games after they've hit 
uh, games with gold or PlayStation Plus is like, no, like it's just in your head. Like now that this game has been free, I never want to pay money for it in the future if I missed it, which is like a whole different thing. But myself, it was free, but I've bought all of the the paid DLCs except for the DeLorean to uh, support them. Yeah. Either way, Rocket League it looks like a fantastic video game, and it's um, it looks like it's a lot better than stupid Metroid Prime like Blast Ball or whatever. You know, like it, it they have similar concepts where it's like they're kind of like a soccer type yeah. video I game. I call it more. It's more. Um, I call it more like hockey, just because a big part of the game is playing the body. You know, but yeah, it's definitely it's like a hybrid hockey mm-hmm. soccer. So it's mm-hmm. football. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, I I don't remember when the supersonic acrobatic rock power battle cars came out, but uh, Rocket League is the same basic game. It's just you know it's prettier and the it's a bit uh, the the gravity is a bit floatier, so it's easier to to do those aerials, which is where the real fun is. Definitely, it just I think it just hit at the right time. Like when I first, because I reviewed Rocket League when it first came out, and I, it was it was fun, especially if you have a number of people to play with you. Playing online solo, I think it it's fun in its own right because that's a very gameplay centric game. Like that's all about that that meta game, and it's all about just basically just diving in and just getting your hands dirty with that game. With that, but when you draw in like okay, you got at least about like four other people or five other people with you, and you're doing like three on three. But that I think that's when the game really, really shines because you have you have all those crazy moments in the game, you know. And I, like I said, when the game first came out, the only thing it's missing, and I hope it comes as DLC at some point, is a Spanish announcer screaming "goal." Like that's, <laughs> that's all it means. And you got a, like one of the best games released hands down, period, this year. It already is. Don't get me wrong, nice. but like that would have been like the cherry on top. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so, I, it can definitely come. That's. Uh... <laughs> I'm telling you, they would be crazy not to do so. They're wow. crazy. It just screams that. Like, every time I see someone score a goal like that, I just imagine it. I could it see them happen. releasing some sort of, uh, yeah, like Mexican League soccer DLC kind of theme. Because each one is at its own kind of theme. The last one's uh, very much a Mad Max-styled yeah. uh, expansion. So that, that would be amazing. I'm telling you. Just be, be gorgeous, but it was a, it's a solid game. I, I agree. I could definitely understand why anybody would choose that game to be one of the best games this year. Very gameplay heavy, very solid, simple, easy to understand, but deep when you really get into it. It's awesome. So let me shoot it over to Pete. Pete, you know your favorite game of the year, 2015. Uh, man, it, it was really a difficult choice, right? I actually have two. I have one that I'm going to reserve for a feature um, that David and I are working on um, for VG Newswire. Um, but this one here, I'm going to go ahead and just dish it out, is um, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate really? uh, for the Nintendo 3DS. Really? Um, yeah, and I'm going to double check right now just to make sure it did come out this year because I know yeah, I played uh, a lot of it. <laughs> Yeah, it was like I think I think it was early in the year, like yeah, it was February, like February, March, if I'm not mistaken. Because I remember reviewing that game. Yeah, it was mad early in the year. Okay, so yeah, it, it did come out. It was February 10th, um, I believe. Anywho, uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate is definitely my game of the year. I spent about oh man an easy like 100 hours. Um, just immersed in the video game. Uh, it is by far the best Monster Hunter title on the Nintendo 3DS. Oh no! Um, oh, wait, 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 wait! We have to addendum. We can't. We can't say this because uh, it's, it did not come out this year. 
Are you sure? Hold on a second, because I'm looking up now, like I'm Googling it. It says 2013, but I'm going to double check this right now. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate? No, okay, no. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate is February 13, 2015, okay? Because that's that was the Japanese release at first, right. and then it came here to the United States. Okay, addendum, <laughs> addendum re- redacted. <laughs> Please continue. Yeah, yeah, you, what happened, David? We'll allow it. Yeah. Uh, we'll allow yeah, it. Damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, like I said, it, it's definitely my favorite Monster Hunter title um, on the Nintendo 3DS. If you think about Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, the video game was a fantastic title to play on the Nintendo 3DS. However, it did lack online connectivity, which Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate certainly possesses. And I think that's where it really hooked its... Um, you know, it really hooked me, you know, because I could just join a random match online and literally play for hours with just random individuals. And we all had the same idea. We all had the same mentality. And what Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate did uh, great additionally was that you can select the kind of things that you want to hunt for. Uh, if there was a certain item that you want to like farm for, you can actually select that and join um, join a match online with individuals who have the same goal right the same endeavor that they want to achieve so i mean i just think just having the video game broken down like that and having it having the individual connect online uh, like it as easy as it as they made it like i feel like that's my game of the year i think everyone should definitely pick it up I, it has to be cheaper than 40 dollars now i know and it and initially launched it was 40 bucks especially now since we're recording right before christmas i'm sure that title can be picked up like at a GameStop or i think i've maybe seen it for like close for like to 20 i've yeah, seen it close to 20 on 3ds like when i walked into a GameStop one time i know best buy has it used i mean i don't know if it's used anymore at this price but it was like ten dollars which is like yeah so um, um yeah monster hunter 4 man that 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 is definitely my game of the year i know i'm looking forward to monster hunter x um which hasn't been announced for north america it i know it's here. out in japan i believe but it certainly will it, it, it'll happen we will probably won't get it until next year but either way um my hands down my favorite video game uh, 2015 for this show is Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, David, have you ever played a Monster Hunter game before, or did you play this one? I haven't played this one. I haven't played any of them. Um, oh. I, I, I'm totally unfamiliar with Monster Hunter. Uh, you know, I don't have a 3DS, so it's not even an option. But mm. um, no, I, I mean, I, I know the name. I would recognize the name. I never would have guessed that as a, a game of the year pick, though. So I, I like seeing things that are off the the expected pick list so that's very interesting so uh i I could totally see where where pete's coming from again i I checked out monster hunter 4 earlier this year uh i've played a lot of the monster hunter games one of the things that i will say that kind of didn't really do it for me on this one was that i felt like the jump from monster hunter 3 ultimate to monster hunter 4 ultimate i felt wasn't really that significant i felt like there was a lot of copy and paste with the exception of of like a few things because obviously you get like the new hud you get the new monsters and you get a couple new weapons here and there but i felt like Essentially, the game not only still felt the same, but it felt a little bit like this. The series has kind of stagnated at this point, at least for me. Like again, every a lot of other people out there that, especially if you played since the PlayStation Two era of that franchise or whatnot, will say that you know the game has dynamically changed like over time and stuff like that. But I still feel like there there's still like a couple innate problems with that series, particularly in the gameplay and the fighting and stuff that I feel like just almost refuses to kind of evolve and refuses to adapt a little bit because. 
if there were a couple little changes for Monster, at least for me, I feel like that series would open up to so many more people. And a lot of people would see how good it is because one of the best things about Monster Hunter, especially about Monster Hunter 4, is that it really builds up this like ecosystem, really builds up this environment. Like you're in a living, breathing, thriving uh, wilderness. That, that just like there's stuff happening all around you like you could go into an area just sit back and watch like the, the monster the target that you're supposed to kill and you're supposed to hunt like interact with everything that's around you and I thought that was very cool again and they added like a couple other things here and there but again I feel like there's still a couple of those little things that kind of just didn't do it for me I mean I, I, I'm really curious though like again well like what was your favorite aspect about that game why is the game here for you uh, I mean other than the online connectivity I like the fact that um, Capcom had implemented uh, intellectual properties from a variety of, uh, of franchises I guess like they had uh, Mega Man suits and they had Street Fighter in there and granted all of these or most of them rather were for the um, the feline companion uh, in the video game, but um, I just like the fact that they just wanted they just changed things up in that regard. You know, like you can customize. I think it's like a I think it's called pal. I, I don't know how to. I'll just say pal. I don't know how to say the a name. Palico, the palico, the cats. Yeah, yeah. So like you can customize that character um, like in the past, but it was just you know traditional monster hunter armor. But now it's like you can dress them up in uh, Animal Crossing attire or like i said mega man street fighter um devil may cry you know like just the fact that it just i think that was enough for me to make it different enough to just continue to play the video game and you know just be happy with it i it was fantastic <clears throat> i support that you don't yeah, have to I, yeah, you don't cool. have to uh constantly be pressing the issue of changing everything up every release you know they make these at this point if it's a long series they're making them for the fans first and mm -hmm. hoping they'll evangelize and draw new people in. So mm -hmm. I can I can definitely support a game that is just kind of uh, iterative, you know. But if it's already good, you know, ain't broke, don't fix it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Whatever works. That's cool. So, yeah, that's your pick. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate is your best pick of the year. So mm -hmm. for me personally, Fallout. I can – what's up? <laughs> Fallout. Fallout. No, it's not Fallout. Metal Gear. For me, it's Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Ah, and sure. the, re the reason, and there's a couple of reasons for this, okay? Because again, I felt like you know, at the end of this year, when people started talking about Game of the Year, when we got into like you know the end of November, now we're in December. At this point, I felt like uh, a lot of people's picks for Game of the Year were going to games like Fallout and games like The Witcher and stuff. And I felt like it was because they were excusing a lot of like glaring issues for those games that. Granted, all the games that came out this year have some sort of problems with them. Don't get me wrong, including my pick, Metal Gear Solid Five. There was an act there was actually a big uh, thing that happened, but I felt like they kind of like really remedied it like faster compared to the rest of the games that were out there. But for me, the reason why Metal Gear is the best game of the year it has nothing to do with what's been going on with Kojima and Konami and any of that stuff. Blank, like nullifying all that stuff, I feel like Metal Gear provided the best experience, like as a total package, than any other game this year. Because not only did it have you know characters that you could really kind of get into in some retro, in some respect, again, not everybody, but like you know there were some characters you could probably relate to and really want to learn what happens to them next. It has those moments where it's like you know these the, something awesome just happens and it happens in like the most dynamic and interesting of ways. For me. 
while playing Metal Gear, one of the one of my moments that really defined this being the best game of the year for me was that I was riding on a D horse, which is the horse that you get at some point in the game, and you have this mission where you have to destroy these this like you know convoy of like tanks and armored vehicles. And I remember jumping off a cliff with D horse and holding a grenade launcher, shooting one of the the fuel tanks of the tank, and it just exploding and causing this crazy chain reaction. I was like, that was freaking awesome. Like that that there were moments like that that happened frequently in that game for me anyway that I just did not get from any other release, you know, this year. On top of that, again, I felt like, you know, it provided a really solid single-player, you know, uh, story or a, a meaty amount of single-player content that I just got deep into. Like, I didn't even realize at one point how much I was playing Metal Gear until, like, I was well past at least 60 to, like, 80, if not more, hours in. Like, there was a point where I lost count or lost, like, you know, conscious thought about how much time was going into this game until finally I looked at, like, all the side missions I was completing and then looked at my game time and I'm like, oh... Like, I spent more time with this game than, than most other games I've played this year, and I, I'm, like, loving it. Like, not even caring about doing a lot of the repetitive stuff that's in this game. It just was so absorbent. It was, it's such good gameplay, especially for the Metal Gear franchise. Like, it's, like, to me, that was the pinnacle of, like, what maybe Kojima was actually working towards when he was developing the entire Metal Gear series and such. But... That's not even counting Metal Gear Online, which is a whole other aspect for like the longest time I didn't even touch because I was so immersed in all the single player content of this game. So for me, Metal Gear just gave me the best total package that I've experienced this year. And there's been a lot of great games. Again, this is coming from someone that wrote the guide on Fallout 4 that really dived into The Witcher 3 that bought a console for Ori and the Blind Forest. And to me, Metal Gear was that game that really was the pinnacle of 2015 for me. Never played Metal Gear um, Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. I did play Metal Gear 4. Um, I thought uh, Metal Gear uh, Solid Ground Zeroes, the prequel, I believe, to Phantom Pain. Yeah, it was like the, the demo. That was, that was solid. Like the the, oh, the yeah. gameplay felt like fluid. The uh, graphics were amazing on Xbox One. I don't know how they were on PlayStation 4, but I would imagine they're equally impressive. Oh, yeah. um, so, I mean, if, if I got a kick out of... Um, out of Ground Zeroes, I think I'm really doing myself a disservice by not playing um, the Phantom Pain, and I think I should. You know, it just looks fantastic. Uh, the trailers alone, I think, is what sold me on it. You know, so it's it's great to hear that. Um, you know that this is your game of the year because now it's making me even more excited <laughs> to. One thing I will say about this game is that again it has some of its issues like after like sometime i want to say about a month or two after the release of it like obviously people started to comment more about the faults and the shortcomings of the game because everybody was still really high on the whole kojima controversy stuff or whatnot but you know if you look at it again from a from a perspective like discounting all that and really discounting the fact that the game did suffer because of that controversy like there was a whole big thing about the real true ending and like the climax and the culmination of all that stuff the conclusion of everything that goes on in the game like there there was plot holes and different stuff like that but if you minus all of that and you really just look at you know everything else with like the game from like again a gameplay standpoint uh, a total package standpoint you can see like Kojima really did something special with this game like th this is for some people has been probably the best stealth action game ever released period or at least you know really up there really close to being deserving of that title you know it, again I feel like also like this is the game that really got a lot of things right compared to other releases like Fallout 4, huge game, huge response from people that people were waiting on this game. It's a massive old, uh, was it open world that that really is kind of open ended in how you could approach it and it gives you all these kind of uh, 
was a pass you could take as far as a narrative. But that game had a ton of problems for like the longest time. Like I, I don't think for me, okay, because I put a lot of emphasis on like issues and glitches and bugs and shortcomings of a game when it's glaring to me, like when it's thrown in my face. For me, when I was writing the guy for Fallout 4, I went to one of the bosses that you discover in like a certain area of the Boston city. And all of a sudden the boss is just like jumps up into the air, is floating in the air in a tree. Like, to me, like, as comical and as weird and funny as that is and stuff, that that's still things, like, to me, that kind of, like, distance me, I mean, kind of pull me out of the experience and it's like, you know, does a really a game of the year really kind of, you know, have stuff like that? You know, again, every game has shortcomings and stuff, but when something like that is so glaring or something like that is so abundant and is so frequent or could be kind of, like, redone and, uh, what is it, um, what's the word for it, kind of, uh, you know, replicated and stuff does that really necessarily mean that's game of the year material mm-hmm. you know you know what i mean like and it's not just fallout i know i'm picking up fallout now at this point but like there's other games that are like that again the witcher another one and another problem with the witcher and i think it's indicative of like open world games or games that really have that vast world that they're trying to build what's what happens when that type of experience becomes too overwhelming and you can't just enjoy the game or enjoy the narrative like if you certain things you want to do because you have to go through all these hoops and stuff like that that's another one a lot of people because they gave it Witcher 3 the game of the year, especially at the Game Awards and stuff like that. But it was like a lot of the complaints I heard from The Witcher 3 was like the game is just so massive that you, you would get lost as far as the narrative. Like you would go and end up doing something you didn't want to do, mm-hmm. which is like, OK, well, then at that point, is a game really a game of the year when it when it's not allowing you or like really kind of like, you know, fooling you into into really enjoying the experience or the core story or stuff that you the way how you want to play the game when the game doesn't allow you to do so Uh, it depends on what you want out of a game and i think a lot of people want as much game as they can get for their money so that's why i think we're seeing this general shift towards bigger and bigger open worlds um but i think you're right uh these you know a lot of the bugs if it's not a major game breaking thing it's just kind of hard to eliminate that from an open world game because you can't play test every possibility that a player is going to go through so mm-hmm. you know even great you know beloved games open world stuff like you know red dead redemption you you're going to get weird stuff that'll happen every once in a while and maybe it's not as frequent but i don't think there's any open world game that is bug free in that kind of respect now obviously you mentioned a boss fight um you really want to make sure those are solid if at all possible but um getting back to your pick metal gear um i never played it myself either but i've seen it at the library i do want to give it a chance for a gameplay perspective the thing that always scares me away from metal gear is my complete lack of understanding of the story and like for me it's hard to discredit that even as great as i hear the gameplay is it's still to me is like yeah that's good but you know so many people love the metal gear story too and it's just i'm so far behind on it and even what i've seen it's completely nonsensical to me if i haven't been following it for years so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to get past that hurdle but i i do want to give it a fair shake at some point uh just based on what i've seen it's a, it <clears> seems <throat> like it'd be fun but i feel like at the same time i'd be completely lost 
Well, I think if anything, head over to, I believe it's game trailers, um, dot com and they have this really cool video it's like metal gear solid in five minutes or seven minutes or something like that yeah, and the person that that's presenting it right over my head i've watched those well, videos and I'm well so look like, at this uh, way. You know. look at this way because i again as someone who's really dived into that game the the game even if you haven't played a metal gear game at all like if you never played metal gear solid one through three or a piece i've never like i played them but you know in bits and pieces i'm okay when, if, if you never story. if you never really dived into those games especially in the lore and the story of those games Metal Gear Solid 5 does a really good job by providing you these audio logs that get you up to speed with everything. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about where it kind of like throws information at you like crazy like some games do now these days. I'm talking about where it really kind of eases you in. It's like, okay, this is what happened in this game. This is what happened at this time period before the game actually starts. This is what's going down during these events and stuff like that. It really kind of gets you up to date like that in the same vein that like what Peace Walker did. Like, if you never played a Metal Gear game and you went into Peace Walker, it kind of got you up to date of what happened in Metal Gear Solid 3, which is, like, the first kind of entry in the entire saga. You know, granted, it's a prequel and stuff like that. But it really kind of gives you all the information of what you need to enjoy Metal Gear Solid 5. Like, you don't need to know what Lale Lule Lo really means necessarily going into MGS5. You just made that up. <laughs> no, word. no, that's an actual thing. Like that's such an actual thing in, in the in the franchise's lore. But like you don't need to know stuff like that. You don't need to know who necessarily the Patriots are going into this game. It kind of just gradually gives all that stuff to you and makes you understand it in a concise way without compromising a lot of stuff what's going on with the gameplay or what's going on with the events of Metal Gear Solid Five. I can appreciate that. Um it's, it's, it's like uh, it sounds like it's similar to what Assassin's Creed does where they throw in a bunch of extra lore stuff into database files that it's completely optional. You can listen to it and catch yourself up or not. Um, but yeah, that, that is, that's uh, reassuring to hear. Definitely. I really encourage you guys, whenever you get a chance, like even if it goes into 2016, play that game. I think you owe it to yourself. Not as a Metal Gear fan, but as just a gamer that maybe likes action games or just good total experiences, play Metal Gear Solid Five. I think it's one of the best, if not the best, in my opinion anyway, the best experience that we got out of gaming this year. Man, there's just so many open world video games to play right now. That's like you, yeah, that that's a huge problem because again, Every you know, game games like The Witcher. Just people who played The Witcher weren't done with it for like months on end because again, there's so much stuff there to do that it becomes overwhelming. Same thing. I could argue the same thing about Fallout Four. Again, even though I've dived into like almost every facet of that game, you know, there there is that thing where you know I found myself at one point I was playing the game and like maybe about ten or so hours, if not more, in I was already like a, almost three two three fourths if not almost very close to the end of like the main plot narrative and stuff uh, and people within that same time limit playing that game weren't even done with like you know a good chunk of the scenario of like the main plot and stuff like they were still doing side missions at the very beginning you know there's there, stuff like that and i think again that's indicative of the genre and everybody's gonna have their own unique experiences which is a great thing for open world games but when you have like a bunch of them released in the same year especially months apart you know, like that, it becomes very, very, very hard to kind of get through all of them. And I even, I could argue the same thing about FPSs, because remember, Destiny the Taken King came out not too long ago. Like that, and then we had all these other first-person shooters. We had Halo, we had Splatoon, we had, uh, was it Just Cause came out not too long ago, even though that's a third-person shooter. You know, all these different types of games that are within the same kind of, like, umbrella of the genre. Like yeah, that. but I, I mean, shooters, I feel like that's more multiplayer-focused, where it's kind of endless, so... Well, now more these days, yeah. But, um, you know, as far as the campaign goes, they're usually not too bad. I do think it's kind of funny how we have this kind of... uh, People are starting to kind of push back against not every game has to be open world. And, you know, do we really have 100 hours for every game that comes out? 
Uh, it's just funny that it's on the it's the complete opposite of the uh, the complaints early in this year when the order came out and it was uh, this game's way too short and nobody's getting their money's worth and now it's these games are way too long we can't even play them all. <laughs> it's uh, I guess there's some magic sweet spot in the middle that's really really difficult to hit. I mean, I think 10 hours is good. You know, I mean, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't buy the video game if it was $60. Like you had just mentioned, the order is a perfect example. I heard, I heard it was like six hours or something and it was a $60 game. Like I don't, exactly. I don't think it would, I don't think that justifies a purchase by any stretch, but I will definitely buy the video game now and consider it's like 20 bucks. I think that's fine, you know, but, um, it was fun. I do recommend it, but not at $60. Yeah. 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 Um, mm. Jeez, and then now, now Final Fantasy VII, the uh, PC port is on PlayStation Four, and like I've been trying to play that. Uh, I, could you imagine? Okay, Final Fantasy VII, uh, PC port on top of Fallout, and then eventually Witcher, and then even more down the road, Metal Gear Solid Five. It's like there's these huge, huge games that are coming out. It's like yeah, no time. Activate those cheats, not to dive too much <laughs> into that, but that I forgot. I was seriously considered buying that and giving that a full playthrough because I never did. I played Final Fantasy VII but not straight through um but yeah the time i'm just like no i I don't have any time for this but then i see oh you can turn off the random battles because it's not like that was the fun part of the game you know play these games for the story primarily so um you know the the fact that you can kind of breeze your way through it and actually experience the story without having to grind through you know however many random battles it takes i I really do like that they put that in there. I like the options. Having the yeah. options to do it that way or to do it like, again, like the old school. Well, yeah, way. I don't take it out, but it's nice that it's. The options there is what matters. Yeah. Which I think is a big deal. And, and that's, 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 I think, is a common theme about 2015. Like a lot of games give you the option to do a lot of different things for, in order to enjoy their experience. Again, you could even find that in a game, a game that I love, which I still think should get a nod from a lot of people, Ori in the Blind Forest earlier this year. That's yeah. a game, again, it was a Metrovania style game, allowed you to go from different areas, you know, here and there, upgrading and completing like the different parts of the map. Again, like that style of genre does, but it still offered such an incredible experience, even though you could go however, whatever path you wanted to choose to go through in order to get to its final conclusion. I think that was awesome. And again, a lot of games this year did that, again, whether they were open world or not. Ori was cool. I, I played that video game as well. I, I, I haven't I put an uh, Xbox One for it. I, I, I haven't beaten the game, but like I just couldn't stand the fact that if I died, I have to watch like a, a new cutscene or the same cutscene yeah, over, over and over and over. If they patch the video game and they've they got allowed individuals to, out. they have a brand new version of that game coming out with extra content and those types of fixes. Hmm. Well, shit, for, I'm not going to buy the, the game again. I just want my game updated. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then I'll then I'll play it again. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, that's my pick. For 2015, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. So let's do a recap again, just really briefly. Each of us tell us our Game of the Year picks for everybody that, again, might have missed it. David, your Game of the Year pick for 2015? Rocket League. And Pete, your Game of the Year 2015? Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. And my pick for this year for 2015 is Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. So there you go, guys. But with that being said, it is about that time, Pete. It's about that time, buddy. 
it's about that time for the IGN Community Spotlight. So tell me, who is this week's Community Spotlight? Yeah, this week's Community Spotlight is Brom00. Uh, if you guys head over to IGN.com, you can definitely check out this individual who has been spotlit on the main page. Uh, basically, favorite video games is uh, Doom and NHL 94. Yeah. That was a great video game, if I may say so myself, on the Super Nintendo, I believe. Fantastic. Genesis, I think also. I think, didn't it have a second Genesis version yeah. as well? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. I, what made that game great, though, is like you can definitely get scores if you kind of hug the uh the goalpost I, I don't know if i'm saying that right what is it called every nhl game to this day they all have the cheese goals you can, oh, you yeah. can always find a way that's pretty much a lock to score mm-hmm. but uh yeah no that that's definitely one of the classics mm-hmm. and uh you know he's also mentioning uh fallout 4 and the witcher 3 which are also video games that uh we talked about and i guess he's looking he or she is looking forward to the division which just had their beta pushed back <laughs> and apparently their alpha is hitting xbox one um fairly soon for those who pre-ordered the video game so yeah definitely want to congratulate brahm zero zero and uh like i said everybody if you would like to be an ign community spotlight um person on the show you don't have to exactly be on ign.com just send us an email and let us know what your favorite video games are and what you're looking forward to uh, in 2016 so you can send us an email at uh, allstarpod at hotmail.com or you can hit us up on twitter we are at allstarpod definitely there you go congratulations you're this week's community spotlight so gentlemen since this is coming towards the end of the year, any other final thoughts before we wrap up this GOTY episode? Mm, no, I just want to uh, I just want to thank you guys for being on the show with me. You guys are awesome people to speak with uh, and converse with uh, on a podcast. Uh, and I also want to thank those who have been listening to us since our, um, I guess you would say, our start. <laughs> you know, um, this podcast, I it's it's definitely something that I look forward to um, each and every week. Uh, even even if I don't necessarily have a chance to record on the show, I definitely look forward to listening to it. Um, so I, I really love this podcast. You know, um, this is my first podcast ever, and um, recording this podcast each and every week has granted me the experience I need to um, maybe do other do other things. So I definitely want to give the both of you, Jake James and David, my gratitude as well as my respect. And uh, I just want to say thank you as well to the listeners who also have my gratitude and my respect. So thank you. Ooh, David, any other final thoughts? Oh, I can echo what Pete said. It's always fun doing this. I I have it on my calendar every week, so I don't forget. Uh, but yeah, you know, thanks to the listeners. Uh, this is why we do it. But it's a, been a good year, very strong year. Lots of games to pick. Um, if you have your own pick, you can go ahead and uh, write us in and let us know about that too. If we have uh, ignored your favorite game and you're furious you know because nobody picked arkham knight or something uh write us in and let us know mm-hmm. nice nice so again yeah final thoughts i guess i could throw in there again i, I echo a little bit of what peter said in, in my own little way i appreciate both of you guys it's always fun whenever the three of us get together and we do a podcast like this we talk about games especially like obviously me and pete 
we do stuff now in the industry when we're freelancing, we're talking about games with other people, we're writing about games and stuff. And it's always good, you know, to kind of get away from all that and just sit down and just talk and just chill and just enjoy the conversation about games without debates, without any sort of like, you know, uh, editorial type, editorialization of stuff where we could just have fun. It's like a bunch of guys just sitting down having a bunch of beers and just talking about random stuff. And I always appreciate that. It's always fun to do that. And again, you guys that are listening to the podcast get such great quality content, you know, with the conversation, you guys become a part of it. You guys send in your questions, you share the podcast and us reviews and stuff. I love just being able to do that for all of you. And, and I'm pretty sure you guys are probably the same thing as well. That's why we keep doing it every single week. And it's just fun to do so. So again, really thank you to the both of you guys for doing that. And thank you for everybody listening to the podcast for the entirety of this year. So Here's hopefully to a solid 2016, 2015. The end of 2015 has been fantastic. Like this week that we that we're recording this podcast has been the best week ever, hands down for 2015. Now, again, still riding that so, Star Wars high. Oh, not, not even just Star Wars. Like I'm good with Star Wars. Okay, the Force was strong with me over the last like 24 <laughs> hours, but. You know, just Star Wars Episode Seven, a movie we didn't think we were going to ever get at one point. Paired up with Batman versus Superman. Paired up with, you know, Marvel. Paired up with Kingdom Hearts. Paired up with, you know, good news showing up in the industry for some people. Like, all this stuff just culminating. It's just like a, a roll of momentum that was just amazing. And, and I hope it continues. And then next week is Christmas for a lot of us. You know, granted, if you're Jewish, you're probably experiencing Hanukkah or experiencing Kwanzaa at one point where you, we celebrate all kinds of holidays on this podcast. But the point is, okay, all this good momentum, all this good stuff, all this positivity in a year when or at least, you know, I could say a lot, like about two years where there's been a lot of negative stuff and a lot of things that have kind of been dour about gaming. It's good to finally get that kind of, you know, that 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 good stride, that good that good cruise, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, everything right now is all good, and, and there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than that. You know, enjoying your, enjoying you know your field, your your passion, your your hobbies, and enjoying it with good people. And I think that's the best thing that could be said about 2015. It's just a lot of good stuff with a lot of good people, and I can appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah. So with that being said, guys, we're going to wrap up this episode of the IGN All-Star Community Podcast. Again, we will be back again real soon. We hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Don't forget to send us your tweets at AllStarPod on Twitter. And don't forget to email us AllStarPod at Hotmail.com. And to send us tweets to each of us on Twitter or send us friendly, cool stuff. Review us on iTunes. You know, let us know what's going through your guys' minds, how you're celebrating the holidays. If you're enjoying Star Wars or if you're going to go see Star Wars for another four for fifth time. Tell us all about it. Okay? <laughs> We're listening. We want to talk with you guys. So, again, from all of us here, happy holidays, and we will see you guys again real soon. Peace out. Stay epic, everybody. Peace. Peace.